Punk's not dead, and neither is New Wave. Join Buzz and Ben on Static Rage, the Punk and New Wave album review podcast. And welcome back to Static Rage, the Punk and Post-Punk podcast. Today, I am Benjamin Lindsay, and with me as always is Buzz Will. How are you doing today, Buzz? As always, it's a lovely day here in Cambodia. <laughs> as always, it is indeed a lovely day in Cambodia. Today we are reviewing the Dead Kennedys, Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. This is a classic in many senses of the word album. It came out on September 2nd of 1980. It has a runtime of 33 minutes and 3 seconds, which is incredibly impressive considering the track listing with 14 tracks spread across seven songs on each side if you have the LP. Um, the personnel on this album are Jello Biafra on lead vocals, East Bay Ray on guitars, Klaus Floride on bass and backing vocals, Ted on drums. There are some people who were additional performers, and I'll just run those down real quick. There's quite a few of them, so it'll take me just a moment. 6025 on rhythm guitar for Eel in the Head. Paul Rossler, keyboards on Drug Me and Seven People's Mail. You know Twitch, keyboards on Drug Me and backing vocals. Dirk Dirksen, backing vocals. Bobby Unrest, backing vocals, which is a cool name, by the way. Bobby Unrest, I like that. Michael Schneider, or Cinder, probably. Michael Cinder, backing vocals. Bruce Calderwood, Bruce Luce, backing vocals. Barbara Hellbent, backing vocals. Hygiene, backing vocals. Kurt, backing vocals. And Chi-Chi, backing vocals. So a lot of different backing vocalists that they had on this album. I love the fact that no one actually uses their real name either. I, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, and this came out in 80, so it's not really that far removed, but this very much has a Sex Pistols feel to it, down to like the pseudonyms and stage names that people are taking. And when I was a young kid, I did not understand why Jello Biafra's name is so funny. And when I got older and got into my history love thereabouts, I understood that Biafra was a short-lived African nation. So it's kind of kind of funny how that this band kind of led me into getting into that. So there we go. It's something they can chalk up for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. And and you can, if you know anything about Biafran history, not that many people do because it was so short-lived. It's touched on a couple of songs. Um, Rolling the Headless Top, uh, Thompson Gunner by Warren Zevon is mentioned in there and a, a few other places. But it's uh, it gives you a key into Jello Biafra's politics if you are aware of Biafra. So I guess we'll go ahead and just kick off this uh this podcast with this is one of the more heavily political bands that's out there that we're going to talk about um sometimes blatantly so um i know we talked about a little bit with the uh um with uh the previous bands that we've done but this one kind of sticks out more to me i I would dare say even more than um than the uh when the bad brains are working yeah, Bad Religion. I was trying to think of that. I was like, I can't think yeah. of it. That's one of my favorite bands. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say probably more than Bad Religion. Um, because Bad Religion always just struck me as more or less anti-authoritative more than anything else. Dead Kennedys kind of goes down the list and it's like, yeah, we're 
we're super leftists, so here you go. This is exactly what we think, and fuck you if you don't like it. Uh, that's probably fair. I, I consider them equally as um, political. I do think that in some ways the dead Kennedys are more direct, but I think that also has to do with the designation of bad religion as a quote-unquote thinking man's punk band. And so they're not quite as direct, but I don't think that American Jesus is any less political than any band on this album. Or any song on this album, I should say. Yeah, every every song on this album is something political, with the exception of the Elvis Presley cover. And seriously, everything else on here is like, it's either poking fun at something or it's trying to raise awareness about an issue. I Kill Children, I mean, not me personally, but the song. <laughs> oh, we know all your dark secrets now, Ben. Yeah, right. I just announced it there, right in the middle of the, the podcast. I, I guess it could be considered political. I don't really necessarily see it, that one, as being political. That really seems to me more like it's a beat on the brat kind of thing, like from the Ramones. But otherwise, I do kind of agree with you. I mean, it, it's it's kind of poking fun. Well, not so much poking fun, but kind of bringing awareness to like how polarized violence is in this country. But And, of course, this is back in 1980. So it's, if anyone listening now, is first time I've heard this song, this has been going on for some time now. So this is nothing new. Um, but no, I... Pretty much every song on here is it's going to have a very I'm not even gonna say political undertone, it's gonna be very obvious political. Um, which if you can deal with it, if you're like me that doesn't really agree with just about everything they put out there, I can still enjoy it. And most people can. Um, but if you're very sensitive to that or if you're you have a problem listening to someone else's opinion, this might not be the album for you. Oh yeah. And and to that matter, uh, the album cover, which you'll see is a shot of some burning police cars that were taken during uh, a riot in L.A. back in 1979. So, or maybe San Francisco, somewhere in California. I'm not sure exactly where. Yeah, I, I think it was San Francisco, but um, I didn't get the uh, I didn't get I didn't track down the album cover on this one so much. I just knew it was a burning police car. Yeah. Well, they'll see it on the thumbnail when when this comes out. So. That image you're seeing is from a riot in California. I think it was San Francisco because I think it was after Harvey Milk was assassinated. But that's neither here nor there, really. So, yeah. Um, I guess we should discuss if... Well, I just want to touch on this a little bit more then we'll, we'll kind of get into songs. Um, I, had just, I had already mentioned I don't really agree with everything that they sing about. And... That's something that growing up, I used to be a lot more in line politically with that. And I'm not going to say I grew out of it, but a lot of times people's politics change because their mind shapes up a little bit differently. So I still listen to this album. I still enjoy this album. I can understand why this band feels the way they do, because my understanding is they haven't really changed their ideals that much. Um, But I enjoy it because I can disagree with it and still be it still come off from a, you know, have an intelligent argument rather than a, no, you're wrong, fuck you, which is what a lot of people try to do with us. Yeah, my politics fall much more in line with this band, probably now more than they did back when I first listened to it, to be honest. I've kind of gone the other way. I was probably further away from it at the beginning, and I have grown closer to it in the intervening years since I first heard it. 
Um, but even then, I don't necessarily know that I agree with everything expressed on here. But I do think that even though they are making a political statement and this does reflect their views, I do also think they're being slightly over the top in their presentation with it because they are being so verbose to the point of shock and there is a sense of humor on this in the extremities of it. Think of Guar as an example. Not that Guar is overly political, but Guar uses incredibly out there imagery and lyrics to kind of shock you and make you laugh. That is the same thing as say Marilyn Manson when he first started or Alice Cooper or Gigi Allen uh, who will probably wind up doing on the podcast at some point. So I see a little bit of that. I mean, California Uber Alice, when we get into talking about the tracks, that's a case in point to me. And it, even the one I mentioned before, I Kill Children, you know, uh, there is a bit of tongue and cheekness to this album that I get anyway. That's so the first time I heard this album, I, it took me, I had to listen to it about two or three times because it's hard to understand uh, Biafra's singing if you've never heard him before. Um, he has a he has a lisp, first of all, for people who've never heard him talk. If you ever hear him do his stand-up, he has a very strong lisp, and that carries over to when he sings. So sometimes, um, because it's a punk band, you don't always get clean vocals that come out of it, so you might have to listen to the track two or three times to get all the words. Um, and it was that way for me the first time I heard this. And, God, how old was I when I first this album? I hadn't heard the album when I was younger, but I had heard some of the songs off of it. Um, of course, I heard Kill the Poor. That was one that was big. California Uber Alice, I think everyone's heard because that's probably their that's probably their most famous song. Um, Inter Holiday in Cambodia, one of the two. Yeah. yeah. Which, funny enough, those those three are probably my favorite songs they've done, and they're off this album. So go figure. Um, and it's just they've always been like really poignant to me, and even though they are somewhat amusing lyrically. Um, it's one of those things that it's it's over the top, but it's over the top in a good way because it's so ridiculous that it makes it would make you stop and think, okay, well, hold on, hold on, let's let's actually listen to what he's talking about because this, on the one hand, this is kind of ridiculous, and now it's like, well, hold, wait, now wait, this is, I could see this happening. Yeah, this might not be a good thing. It's um, same same thing that comedians do uh, when they make people laugh and they'll still try to be political at, time, at the same time is try to go over the top and kind of shock you a little bit into thinking about things so from that perspective i i kind of enjoy that um maybe not quite as much as as uh as bad religion is um where bad religion makes you think think uh this band is more here's the idea maybe you should think about it and we're not going to give you time to digest it before we go to the next track which is something I really enjoyed because I fucking love the pacing on this album. There's, it doesn't ever slow down for me. So that's, that's major points for me right there. No. Yeah. I mean, just the, the fact that this is a, what, 33 minute album and it's got 14 tracks. This is pretty much a bus off right from the get go. And it's just going through it. And we had talked a few, uh, podcasts back on that movie slc punk and i bring that up because if you've never heard this band if you've never heard any of the songs on it 
But if you happen to see that movie at the very end with the credits start rolling, Kill the Poor starts playing up. And that's why I think a lot of people have heard that song in particular, if they've never heard this band before, um, because it plays so poignantly as the credits are rolling. Um, so that one, and of course I heard that song before that movie, but that was something I, just, I was like, hey, I know this song, it's playing right now. Um, so yeah. that, that's that's kind of pointed to me. It's always stuck with me uh, since I was a young kid. And I have this album on vinyl. So while I did not listen to it on vinyl, I could have. So Ben, if you ever get down here, I can pop it into the record player and let you listen to it. Cool. Yeah, I've never heard it on vinyl because as we covered in other podcasts, I was never a vinyl kid. And I would actually still like to get a record player. I just never, I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, that might be something I do in the next few weeks if I can find one at a decent price. But I really don't know what I'm shopping for, which is something else entirely. But anyway, um, yeah, this is a – and again, it's coming right out of the 70s. I think it – I said it sounded to me very much like the Sex Pistols. I think that he's aping a lot of their attitude and in-your-faceness too. So I, I definitely – and I also – I add parenthetically on kind of a tangent – Jello Biafra has run for city office in California several times. So he is at least, he's not just one of these activists who's going out and singing something and then collecting the royalties and sitting on his ass as a, a fake activist. He's actually actually really in, engaged in it, and I have to give him credit for that. And I, th- I actually think he's part of the Green Party, if I remember correctly. Like, he doesn't have... Like he was, whether he still is or not, I don't know. But he was, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember, because I remember he was kind of independent um, as far as that went. No, but that um, this this whole album, man. I mean, if you've ever, again, if you ever get a chance to listen to some of his uh, spoken word albums, they're actually quite amusing. I, I dare say he could be a stand-up comedian if he had a better, if he had better delivery. Um, but his delivery isn't always the best, so that's why I think he works so well uh, with this band, especially. Um, but as far as like, uh, and one of the things we talk about on this podcast too, is a lot of these punk bands have image. This band didn't really have, have a distinct image. They had a more of a distinct sound, which I appreciate more. Um, I mean, Jella did some weird stuff on stage. I, some of the videos you can see it where he comes out and acts like he's high, but like everyone else in the band's wearing like street clothes, um, to that, to that aesthetic. But the reason I, I, I focus on the sound is this first album, you don't hear it as much. You hear it a lot on California Uberalis. Um, you hear it a lot in Holiday in Cambodia. Um, I kind of hear it. I kind of hear it on Let's Lynch, Let's Lynch the Landlord. But what I'm getting at is they kind of made fun of surfer rock. And surfer rock from the 60s was very, it all kind of sounded the same. But there was that uh, very like interesting guitar playing that's always come out of that late sixties. Um, I'm not going to say beach boys, but you, you could, yeah, if you've heard surfer rock before, you know exactly what I'm talking right, about. Right. right. Uh, so Dick Dale. Yeah, there we go. If, Dick Dale, if you've ever heard or ever seen Pulp Fiction, the very beginning, mm-hmm. uh, very beginning song. Um, but that's the way that I would of, describe it is shredding without distortion. Right. In fact, yeah, there's not really a whole lot of distortion in it. Um, so with, the reason I point that out is their later albums, especially you hear a lot more and it's, 
I had mentioned in a previous podcast how in some ways punk kind of mocks the hippie movement. I really feel like that's what this band was doing is like they were mocking that 60s like beach vibe and completely destroying it and making fun of it and making it sound good because East Bay Ray is a fucking hell of a guitar player. Uh, if you ever get a chance to actually hear him play, he's actually yeah. quite talented at that. Without a doubt. Uh, East Bay Ray. I mean, actually, I would have to say that you have to be a pretty damn good musician or guitarist to play surf guitar. Um, again, it is very much like thrash, but with with clean channels instead of distortion and usually no down tuning. But indeed, um, he's a great guitarist. You know, I think that musically, this band is slightly underrated because I do think that they were pretty tight and, and they sound a little bit out of control, but it takes a really good musician to sound as out of control as they do on some of these tracks. I don't get actually feel like they are. Um, I don't know if that is makes sense unless you've heard this, but that that's kind of how I feel about it. I don't know if you feel the same way or not controlled chaos i go back to what i said yeah. in the first podcast yeah. about punk being the closest thing to chaos you can get this this is a perfect example of that it's it's very wild it gets very out there um you think they're losing control for a minute but even though when things get crazy they're still well within they know what they're doing and again you can tell this is a band that practices because if you see them live they're very much like that they don't have this oh man we missed a this guy missed a beat or man the drummer was off off beat by a measure back there oh man the guitar player he was his stuff was out of whack they all are like on fucking point and I really appreciate that as a musician so that's something that always kind of enjoyed impressed me about this band yeah no doubt about that at all um, I think it is somewhat charitable to call Jello a senior he's vaguely carrying a tune. But again, you don't have to be in this genre, and I do think his his vocals really work on these tracks. And I I, I don't guess I, I necessarily have anything more to say about the album as a whole. Uh, do you? Their later albums will be much more clean, and what I mean when I say clean, I mean they'll they won't be there won't be as much uh, distortion on the guitar. Um, they won't be quite as fast. They actually came out with another album where some of the tracks off this one were on there and they slowed them down. And you could almost make the argument that they're better that way. Um, that's an argument for another day because we're not talking about that album. But this first album is probably their fastest and most aggressive. So if you're looking for... this is, I'd almost say this is a hardcore album. Um, not, not quite there, but it's very, very close to a hardcore punk album. Um, if there's certain things I would I would add to it to, to make that, but I know if a lot of people have equated this first album to the hardcore, and I just always felt like it was just straight punk to me. Um, but it's very fast, which is something that you won't quite see on some of their later things. Yeah, but I could very easily see that, and I don't know if they ever were. They probably were, but I could very easily see them on a bill with a black flag. So I, I get why they're considered a, a more of a hardcore band. I could see that if all their albums were like this. Um, I'm, only, I'm only speaking this because of, of 
some of their later stuff. If with the later stuff, I see them more playing with uh, Bad Religion than I do Black Flag. But again, that's another here or there. Um, and and they probably played with both of them, to be honest. So. <laughs> I know they're, they're, what one's gonna be listening to this podcast and be like, "Man, these guys are fucking dumbasses." Hold on, let's see. We play here, here, and here. You guys are idiots. We played for both. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like dumb sons of bitches. We were on tour with them in '81. Uh, you don't even think about it. It's your bunch of posers. That's we're gonna get an email about that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was five, so you can and you can fuck off. But um, yeah, totally. I mean, they do have a changing sound, um, for sure, to your point. Uh, but this album, anyway, I think would definitely put them on more of the hard core side of the ledger. Um, that's all I had to say about the album as a whole. Um, unless you got anything else to add, I guess we can get into the songs. I do not. So, I will let you go first, man. What really stuck out to you? I mean, really, it's... Um, honestly, it's the famous tracks, California, Uber Alice, Holiday in Cambodia. I actually do like the Viva Las Vegas cover because I think that they're just having so much fun with it. And, and like you were saying... Um, on previous podcasts, when punk bands do covers, a lot of times they're taking a piss, and I really felt like that's what they were doing here, but I did like it. I also liked Let's Lynch the Landlord quite a bit, Chemical Warfare, When You Get Drafted, Kill the Poor. There's just a lot of good stuff on here, I think. That's kind of with me, man. I don't have... And then I I know we uh, I'm sound like a tool by saying this, but their their popular songs are the ones I really enjoy in here. So I already mentioned Kill the Poor, I Kill Children was a good one. California Uberalis and Holiday in Cambodia are probably my favorites because I feel like they have a lot to say about things, um, especially Holiday in Cambodia um, with my with my political leanings because I know as I said this back when I was 18, I will still continue to say it today. Some college kids piss me off because they don't understand the geopolitical climate in the rest of the world because they're safe in their their university halls learning about things and they don't get to actually go experience what some of these places are actually like. And this is one that's probably the reason why I like that song so much because it's like, oh no, this is what it's really like. This you want to see what communism is really like? Go here and deal with that. See what it's like. Oh, they're gonna fucking shoot you if you talk back to them. By the way. Um, and it's it's directly it's directly put at the feet of like the overprivileged kids that think they know more than everyone else. And then here's the eye opener of what life is really like, you know, you know, kind of it's it's almost like talking about white privilege before white privilege was a thing, which is kind of why I like it so much. But um, other than that, man, soon people's mail was funny. I, I've always enjoyed that. Let's let the land, landlord. I mean, if you ever had problems with paying rent, there you go. Listen to that song that probably sums up everyone's feelings um, yeah, right chemical warfare is just fun because it's so damn fast and the, the very end when it's like 30 seconds of them like coughing <laughs> over and over and over and you're like well when is it gonna stop and just ends yeah but yeah those are the ones that stuck out to me and i i did like viva las vegas and to your point um that's for again, if you listen to our earlier podcasts, I had mentioned that when they do when punk bands do cover, either really shitty and they know their shit, but they're making fun of it anyway and it ends up being funny, or my god, it's actually really good. And then sometimes it's both, which is kind of what this one is. 
Right. Exactly. Um, and, you know, uh, we don't really have time or nor is this necessarily the platform to, to get into the Khmer Rouge, but it was also a, a shout at the U.S. government for supporting the Khmer Rouge for as long as we did, because we actually shielded them on the United Nations and kept them on the United Nations board, despite the uh, genocide in Cambodia. Well, yeah, I mean, for those that don't know, at the very end, when Jello is saying Pol Pot over and over, if you, you don't know who that is, you really need to go look that up yeah. and just kind of see what kind of piece of shit he was. There's actually um, a really good book by Ben Kiernan, who is a historian at Yale, about the Pol Pot regime. I believe it's just called Pol Pot. I can't quite see it from where I'm at. It's on my bookshelf. Um, so if you want to know more about it, check it out and read it. It's pretty heavy stuff, as any genocide is, but it's that's one of the best books on the subject out there. So if you're interested, you can check that out. Yeah, I, uh, I, I grew up with stories about him. As my dad was a Vietnam vet, so I got to hear all kinds of wonderful things about that asshole. Yeah, uh, yeah it was... Uh, uh, a clusterfuck. Southeast Asia, though, kind of was a clusterfuck in the Vietnam region from about mm, the 1940s till 1990-something. So, yeah, that's 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 the that's the wonderful thing about that whole region is the second like before we get there, and then even after we get there, there's still a lot of bullshit going on when we aren't involved that people tend to forget about, and I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with because how self-centered a lot of Americans are, but now I always tell people, like, if you think our involvement in Vietnam was bad, look at what the French did, and look what happened after we left, because that shit didn't end until... It, it, might, it might not have ended until the early 2000s, man. Um, well, the reason I say the 90s is because I think that's finally when them and China officially declared peace from their undeclared war. So, but yeah, it's possible that it went on, some stuff went on into the 2000s as well. Yeah, lots of stories on that again for a different podcast. But uh, no, those were those are the the songs that stuck out to me the most. Same. Um, there's nothing on here I didn't like. Um, and when the longest song on the album was three minutes, well, I guess that's uh, actually no. I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong track, but that's probably true. So probably is still just three minutes. Uh, longest one is "Holiday in Cambodia" at four minutes and thirty seven seconds. Okay. And when the next longest song is three minutes and, and seven seconds, oh, which is Kill the Poor, there nothing really sticks around long enough for you to really get a true dislike of it, I don't think. At least in my opinion. Because everything is just over. So, I mean, gosh, most of these things are coming in at under a minute and a half. Yeah, and, and when I used to joke in high school about Maybe you could have a punk band and like have a song that's like 30 seconds long and move on. I, I, I was never joking when I said that. You could, there have been bands that have had like 30 second tracks and like that was a whole song. Oh, so, like DRI, man. Oh, yeah. Which I'm sure yeah. we'll do it at some point too. Yeah. I mean, so when people see this go, wow, a minute and 23 seconds, that's pretty short. Yeah. Cause they get in and get out. Mm -hmm. um, but this, this is kind of. This is kind of, to me, with the epitome of, like, when I think of punk band, this is one of the ones I think about, is this, specifically this album, but Dead Kennedys as well. Like, that's one of the first things that pops in my head if I don't have a specific band in mind. Yeah, and that DK logo is kind of iconic. So, 
I agree. This is when I think of an American punk band, this is one of the things that I think of. They're not one of my favorite ones by any stretch of the imagination, but they are authentically and quintessentially an American punk band, and for no other reason than, to Buzz's point, when they were incorporating the surf guitar sound into it. Yeah, so they're not... Contrary to how much I'm gonna, how much praise I'm gonna give this thing, they're actually not in my top five bands. Just, and a lot of it is because, like, with Jello's singing style, I, I kind of, it does get on my nerves after a little bit. But that said, this is still a very good punk album. Um, and I guess before we move to grading, we do you want to talk about their name at all? Sure, go ahead. So there's back and forth with this and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this all by what I'm remembering instead of looking it up um, so I'm, I'm sure someone will correct me and Ben you might even correct me here but this my understanding is when John Kennedy was assassinated and his brother later on um, a lot of people kind of saw that as like the death of the American dream like that's when the ideal of America kind of faded um, that's kind of why they picked this name that was my understanding and it wasn't necessarily like we're making fun of the fact that John Kennedy got shot. It was more like since he is dead, now his brother is dead. You, you've kind of like lost the last good thing in America, so to speak. And of course, I'm paraphrasing this. Um, but that was my understanding. And when I was younger, I didn't understand that. I thought, oh, it's a cool, it's an offensive name because it's a punk band. And going back to the, well, you need to actually think about this. Why do they call themselves that? Um, and of course, this is all by memory. I'm sure some of it's muddled. But um, some of you might be wondering where that name came from. From what I remember growing up listening to them and listening to some of the interviews, that was the reason they picked this name. Yeah, no, that was pretty much it. That it, This was the end of the uh, American dream with the killing of both of the Kennedys and kind of that. Uh, it's very interesting. And they, they did get, as you can imagine, a lot of pushback at the time over this. And sometimes we just have to play as the DKs. But you can easily track that down into the end of the hippie movement in 68 and 69, not only with the assassinations of the Kennedys, but also like the Manson family murders and all kinds of other stuff. So that, that was a very transformative time in American history that a lot of stuff happened. I mean, cause not only were they assassinated, but Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in 68 as well. There were a bunch of riots because of that fact. So, you know, a, a, the hippie era came crashing down in a very spectacular way. One that I'm glad ended because I will say it again, hippies annoy the shit out of me, even today. <laughs> right on. All right, let's grade this thing. You can go first. Musically, just going off the album, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to base this off of what I've seen live either. Just going off the album, um, I'm going to give it a B. And the reason I give it a B musically is because while they are well in control of themselves and they do play, um, there's just a little bit too much distortion sometimes in the guitar. Not that's a bad thing, uh, but for it to be completely controlled, I would have liked to have heard a few cleaner licks at points. Um, but that's not really a knock on the band. I still enjoyed it. Um, but other than that, this band's pretty on point. I mean, you can tell like when they're playing, they're they know what they're doing. They they're not just letting it get out of control, and they reel things back in when they need to. So musically, 
solid B. As a punk album, I'm going to give this a B plus. Not an A minus, but a B plus. If Jello Biafra had better vocals, I'd probably give it an A minus. However, because of his style, um, if you've again, if you've never heard this band, you might hear it and be like, "What the hell is up with this guy? What's he needs to take the balls out of his mouth?" Um, he really is hard to understand him the first couple times you listen to him sing. Um, that said, this is very close to what I consider an ideal punk album. So. Um, not as influential on me as, say, Dropkick Murphys was, um, but definitely up there as far as if you want to hear a punk album and we had like a top five to pick from, this is not my favorite. It wouldn't be my first, but it would probably be in one of the five I would grab and say, here, go listen to this and you'll get an idea of kind of what American punk is like. Yeah, and that is exactly why I'm giving this an A because this is not my favorite punk album. This is not my favorite punk band. But this is, if somebody told me, hey, pick out a punk band or a punk album and play it for somebody to get the message of what punk is, this would be on the short list of albums that I would choose from. Because, and, and honestly, in some ways, this is an aberration because I do think that the musicianship on this is better than on the average punk album. Um, Jello is not is not a great singer, but it fits into the whole punk vibe well enough. Because as I've said, you don't have to be a good singer to be a punk singer. Um, Tracy Newport, my co-host on the Metal Podcast, is is fond of saying, "Oh, you can sing." No, I was the lead singer for a punk band. What about that? Do you not get? Which some punk bands have people who can sing. This is just not one of them, but this fits the style very well. And just the anger and the political lyrics and everything, that is what I think of when I think of punk music. So this is almost that perfect snapshot of what a punk album should be. So that's why I'm going to give it an A. Sounds good to me. Well, is there anything else you'd like to throw out there? No, um, the only thing I'd say is that if you haven't listened to this or you've if you've only heard like the quote unquote hits off this album to go listen to the entire thing, it's 30 minutes. You've got the time um, and just see because there's some other stuff going on on here other than just California, Uber, Alice and Hotel in Cambodia. You mean I enjoy it. I said Hotel in Cambodia. I said hotel holiday in Cambodia. I, I'm not gonna lie, we said I was like, wait, was wait, was there a hotel Rwanda song? Yeah. <laughs> there probably is, but no, I, I just uh, <laughs> fuck it up. Oh man! So with that in mind, I guess I can talk about what we're doing next week. Although before you do that, that does kind of make me want to take Hotel California and Holiday in Cambodia and do a mashup. You know what we need to do? We need to do that and play it and see what happens. And if it sounds like even even if it sounds horrible, if it like at least sounds listenable, we should like totally talk about that. Yeah, for real. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> all right, man. So with all that said, next week, um be the weekend of my birthday. I will not tell you what day it is, but we are going to do one of my favorite albums. Um it's not my favorite album. We're gonna do that later on in the year. Um but if you know me, you know that I'm into horror. You know that I am very much into punk. I'm very much into goth. 
I'm into a lot of the dark things, and when you see me on the street, you may not realize that. But this is one of the reasons I was into that, because when I was a kid, I was into very famous beings. Famous monsters, you might say. Hmm. Sounds like you were part of a club. A fiend club, if you would. Indeed, sir. So yes, we will be doing the Graves-era misfits and famous monsters. Tune in next week when we bring you the famous monsters coming back from the dead. Indeed, sir. Well, thank you all for listening. We always enjoy talking about these albums and sharing our thoughts with you. You can always hit us up and let us know what you think, whether you agree with us, whether you think we're morons, just what have you. And we will catch you next time. Peace out.